Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. The only time things change is when you know who you are. And you say, well, how can I know that? Ask him. Lord, who is it you've created me to be? What is it you've created me to be? And by your grace, I will do that. By your strength, I can do that. Anybody in here ever feel like God asked you to do something and you say, oh, God, I can't. It's too big. It's too much. It's too hard. It's too something. I'm just... God called me to preach, or I responded to that, was aware of it and responded to it when I was 12 years old. Started preaching when I was 12. God helped the people that I preached to. You say, what did you preach? I have absolutely no memory and have no interest in going back to hear it. None at all. But there came a point in my life in my teens, about 15, I didn't like being the preacher kid. So I made a conscious decision to backslide. I didn't much know how to cuss, but I figured I'd cuss some. So they'd quit calling me the preacher. Sounds utterly stupid. (laughs) But I ended up at 15 years of age with an ulcer and having to go to the doctor with all kinds of problems because I was trying to be something I wasn't called to be or created to be. So finally, I remember falling down in the hay mow in the, the farm, the barn where we were. I fell down that morning before school. I fell on my face in the hay and I said, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. I want you, I need you in my life. But God, I've made such a mess of things, I can't preach. I won't preach, but I will serve you. He didn't argue with me. He didn't argue with me. But I kept saying, besides who wants to hear a kid? I'm too young, God. Maybe someday, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but not now. I'm too young. I never had read a whole lot. I knew the character studies in the Bible, the the main characters, but I didn't read the Bible, certainly hadn't studied the Bible. And as I was there that day in the haymow, the Lord just spoke clearly in my heart, read Jeremiah 1. I said, God, I don't have time to read the Bible right now. I'm I'm repenting of my sin. I will serve you, but I I won't preach. I just want to make the, the, I want to get this settled and want it clear that you understand these are my terms. I will serve you. I will be and do whatever you want, except I can't preach. I'm just a kid. I'm too young. Jeremiah 1. So, 
I didn't know. I just said, well, whatever. But when I got back to the house and cleaned up, I grabbed my Bible quickly and ran to Jeremiah. And I was shocked. I mean, I was literally smitten, slapped in the face. Here's what he says, Jeremiah 1 with verse 4 and following. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a child. For you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. God directly answered the words of my heart. My words, which the enemy had put here, I'm too young. God didn't say. In fact, he deliberately contradicted it. Don't say, I'm a child. Because I knew you. I set a destiny for you. And you shall do what I called you to do. And I said, oh God, I've messed my life up so bad. I don't know that it's fixable. But God, I'm yours. I want to say to you again, refuse to allow the circumstances of your life to determine your destiny. Shakespeare said all the world is a stage and we are but actors on it. Sometimes others have tried to assign you a role to play. You're the buffoon. You're the jester. You're the fool. You're the one who just makes everybody laugh and hides behind humor. They will assign you that. Sometimes others have assigned you as they tried to with these four young men. You're nothing but pawns in a game of people who are a lot smarter than you and they have decided for you. You will be the lady who protects the king. Some of us The world didn't assign us a role, but we have assigned ourselves a role. There may be some here today who've assigned your role. And your role for some people is the victim. I'm a victim. Well, I would serve God, but let me tell you what's happened to me. My husband left me. My wife was unfaithful. My children are ungrateful. My parents beat me. Somebody abused me. And you wrap this robe around you. I am the victim. That's my role. And you go through life and it doesn't matter what comes your way. You just pull that robe tighter around you. Say, oh, but you don't understand. I'm a victim. I am entitled to this role. I need your sympathy. Don't you feel sorry for me? Let me tell you all the terrible things that I've been through. Other people are just as foolish. They have assigned themselves the role of Prince Charming on the white steed. And they go to everybody's rescue. And they go through life trying to rescue people many times who want no rescue. You can't take my robe of victimization from me. I will fight you for it. 
But you don't understand, I'm here to rescue you. I don't want to be rescued. Get away from me. And we play these silly roles on the stage of life. I want to say to you how much simpler the world becomes and how much simpler our life becomes when we finally hear what God calls us and who he says you are and you simply walk there and you stand there. It doesn't matter what you call me. I know who I am. I want to tell you, you can't mess with people like that. Honestly, you can't. Refuse to allow culture to assign your destiny. Refuse to allow the events that happened in your life. Oh, I'm divorced. Well, hello, divorce. I never, don't know that I ever met anybody named that before. But see, some people, that's their identity. I'm divorced. Well, that may be a situation that you walk through. It may be a set of circumstances, but that cannot be who you are unless you wrap it around you and wear it. I'm crippled. Really? Well, hello, cripple. What's your last name? That cannot be your name unless you own it. I'm too young. I'm a kid. I'm too old. I had shared with some of you before, I know in the past, I feel like God gave me a revelation, gosh, decades ago, and I began to preach to our church, retirement is not a time to unhook from life and play. Retirement simply means that I no longer have to go to a set job every day. I now have some options that I didn't have before. Now I am free to pursue my passion. And so I said, listen, some of you here that have a family and home and all this stuff, when retirement comes, it's not a time to go and play. It's a time to say, God, what is it that you put a passion in me to do that I'm now free to do? And I remember a lady, she had no physical children. She'd been married. She came to me. Her husband had died. He'd gone home to be with the Lord, a godly man, wonderful, awesome man of God. She came in. She sat in my office. She said, I've heard what you've been preaching. And she said, I'm 70 years old. And she said, from the time I was a little girl, I felt like God had called me to the mission field. And life got busy. And I, I just, I never got there. Is it too late for me? And I said, well, no, not at all. I know you. You come to church here every week. As far as I know, you're in good health. Of course not. But I said, Let, if you really are serious about this, let us pray with you. Let's find a place where you can go and you have something to offer, where you can be a blessing and you can be blessed. She's 80, what, 85, 6, 7 now? Still spends about half of her life in Poland. She goes for six weeks at a time or three months at a time. She teaches English. She teaches the Word of God. She works with young ministers. She serves the churches there. And I want to tell you, she is beloved all over the nation of Poland. And she didn't begin until she was 70 years old. 
He left her, her husband who went on to be with the Lord, left her very well off. And with what she receives in retirement and in pension, she doesn't need to ask anybody for support. She just, she goes and does. And I'm saying to you, refuse. She would never come up and say, hello, I'm a widow. She, it would never occur to her to make such a statement. She would say, hey, I'm a servant to the Most High God. I'm a woman of God. I'm a world-changing woman, a nation-changing woman. How awesome is that? And I want to say to you, if we can figure out what it is God has called us to be and step into that role, wear that coat, wrap that around you, my, 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 I want to tell you, those clothes look good on you. And they fit you. Because God created you to be that. Just who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not educated. Who told you that? Did God call you ignorant? Hey, dummy, I defy you. Nobody in here God ever calls that. If that's a name that has been applied to you, it did not come from the Most High God. It came from somebody. And we know where it originated. God doesn't tell you what you can't be and who you aren't. What he says is, you are. You are. You can. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. Not just a conqueror. I'm not a Nebuchadnezzar. I am more than a conqueror. Nebuchadnezzar was a conqueror. Daniel was more than a conqueror. Do you understand? Others may do things to you, around you, about you, but nobody can assign you who you are but God. And even God can't do it without your cooperation. Mm, my, my, my. Am I talking to somebody here today? I suspect I am. I suspect I am. I refuse to be destined by my culture. But I want to tell you who I am. I am committed to being planted in the house of the Lord. Did you hear what I said? I am planted in the house of the Lord. I want to say to you very clearly, read my lips. I am a church man. I believe in the church. It is the only institution slash organization slash entity that God has birthed and created upon this planet. And it's the only one the Bible says that Jesus loved and gave his life for. Not a lodge, not a social club or an organization, not even a missions agency, but the church, covenant people birthed and brought together in covenant. That's where I take my stand and that's where my heart is planted. There are a lot of other good organizations 
a lot of other good entities. They're not evil things. But you need to understand something. There's only one entity on this planet that's going to be represented in heaven. And it's not the Rotary Club. And it's not the Lions Club. And it's not the Masonic Lodge. It's not even the Worldwide Missions Organization or the Southern Baptist Convention or the United Methodist Church or Destiny City Church or New Covenant Church or Northgate or Jubilee. It's going to be the church of the firstborn. The church of the living God of whom we are all a part. And I want to say to you, my heart is planted there. I hear people say, well, the church has outlived its usefulness. It, it, it is an anachronism. You just don't understand what the church is. Organizations come and go. Did you hear me? Organizations. I can take you to buildings where churches used to meet. Some of them still bear the name in worn painted letters, such and such a church. They're warehouses today. Some of them are falling down. That didn't mean the church died. That just means people left off serving God and forgot their destiny and tried to be something they weren't. I'm a church man. My heart is planted in the church. I love God's people. I love when we gather together in his name because he said, when you do that, I'm going to be right in the middle of you. My, my, I like that. And you know where that happens? It can happen right here. We're going to dedicate this building tomorrow for the glory of God, for the work and the service of the Lord. But I want you to understand something. There is nothing holy about that drywall. It's just drywall. It's painted. It becomes holy because we are here. And wherever we are becomes a holy place. Every place you put the sole of your foot, I have given it to you. Claim that. Walk on it. Declare the kingdom of heaven is here. Where? Wherever I am. Did you realize the kingdom of God sometimes operates in Walmart? More times than not, when I go to Walmart, it ends up being a ministry meeting. Oh, I'm so glad I ran into you, Brother Frank. I need you to pray for this. Well, okay. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you. We have church right there in the aisle of Walmart or the grocery store. See, God is not limited to a building made with hands. Even beautiful buildings. You remember what Paul said in Corinthians, do you not know that what is the temple of the Holy Ghost? What? Your body. Now, I believe it means two things. One, this flesh, he lives in me. But when we gather together in his name, we become a body. And do you not know that this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And that's what he meant when he said, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the world sit back and shut up because he is in the midst of his temple and God is mighty in the midst of her. Hallelujah.
Who are you? I'm part of the temple. I'm a child of the Most High God. I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. An overcomer is not someone who never has difficulties. An overcomer is somebody who had to come through some things to get where they are. And that's who we are. We are overcomers. We are not victims. I refuse to wear it. I refuse to own it. I am planted in the house of the Lord. I like what he said about that. Let's see, was it Psalm 90? He talks about being planted in the house of the Lord. Let me find the verse here I wanted. Psalm 92. Yeah. 92, 13. I love it. He said, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Jump over to Psalm, I think it's 112. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Under the upright there arises light in darkness. Light represents revelation, instruction from the Lord. God said, if your heart's upright, he'll give you the direction you need. Now hear me, he doesn't always give it when you demand it, but he'll give it when you need it. Okay? And he goes on and he tells this whole thing about the man who fears the Lord, who's planted in the house of the Lord. I also want you to know I've made up my mind. I am and intend to be a student of the word of God until Jesus comes again. Study, therefore, to show yourself approved unto God. Read the Word. Digest the Word. Eat the Word. Live the Word. Sing the Word. Shout the Word. Declare the Word. Because there's power in the Word of God. Power to create and recreate. I'm intentional about relationships. I've made up my mind. To me, relationships are more important than organizations. Relationships are more important than affiliations or other designations. Relationship. That's important to me. Why? Because it's important to God. In the very first thing, when God created the seven days, six days of creation, seventh day, the rest, and then it said... And God came in the cool of the day and walked in the garden and had relationship with Adam, talked with him. They talked together. They had relationship. They interacted. 
He didn't do that with the cows or the giraffes or even man's best friend, the dog. But he came to man and he said, I choose to have relationship with you. And you go clear, that's in Genesis. You go clear to the end of the book and it said, the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and behold, there was a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible says, and the tabernacle of God came down and God said, I will dwell with them and they shall be my people. Relationship. God didn't need that. He just said, I want it. God would have been perfectly God if he'd never had relationship with anybody. I mean, he was God, all sufficient, utterly immutable in every way. And yet he said, I choose to have relationship. And he chose it with us. If that was important to God, and if I and you are created in his image, don't you think God created us with the need? And should it not be our priority to have relationship with people? I think so. I believe so. And the church, yes, the church is sometimes referred to as the army of God. Yes, we are the body of Christ. Yes, we are the a lot of things. But there's nothing I believe that more accurately describes who the church is than the bride of Christ, the family of God, brothers, sisters with fathers and mothers and children. That's who we're created to be. I've made this statement. Again, we travel and minister in a lot of churches in a lot of places. There are times that I've gone to a church and Sue, when I'm done preaching and we have the benediction and within five minutes, the place is deserted. Cars are all gone out of the parking lot. Everybody's gone. That tells me either one, these people don't know each other at all or two, they don't like each other and are not interested in knowing, but it tells me there is no relationship here. I like it when I go to a church building and they have to literally run them out. Please, people, fellowship in the parking lot. Go to home, go to Pizza Hut, go somewhere. I need to go home, I'm working third shift. I like that because that says these people love one another. Well, did you not see each other three days ago on Sunday? Yes, but we've got so much to talk about. It's like you never get enough. It's like with Ken and Kay Coons. We have spent time with them, traveled internationally with them, and just... But it's like we never, ever get enough. We're never done. We just, time runs out and we unhook. But then when we see each other, we don't have to start over. You just rehook where you left off and continue. Do you understand that? That's relationship. That's family. And that's what God has called us to be. And that is what the world is starving to death for.
the devil says, nobody cares anything about you. You don't have anything to give, and nobody wants to hear your problems. Put those walls up. Smile back there, but don't let them get close to you because they'll hurt you. I've made up my mind to be intentional about relationships. I'm almost done. After we made the transition from me pastoring a church to basically now pastoring pastors and, and uh, just a broader area of ministry, I, had, uh, I met with some ministers, who, most of whom had made a similar type of transition. They were no longer pastoring a church. And one of them said to me, and he had made this decision a few years before I, and he said, well, so what are you doing with yourself now that you're retired? And I looked at him, I thought, I said, well, I'm, I'm really not sure what you're asking me. He said, well, I mean, do you ever get to preach anymore? I said, uh, yeah. He said, well, I mean, how much? I said, well, most every Sunday if I want to. I said, in fact, last year, 52 Sundays and last year, and I was preaching 41 of them. And the ones that I wasn't preaching is because I said I need to rest, and I choose not to. He said, really? He said, uh, well, how do you do that? And I said, how do I do what? He said, how do you get these engagements? Do you call them and ask them, can you come preach? I said, I have never done that in my life. I have never called and said, can I come preach? He said, ah, do you send letters out, postcards or something? I said, no, it never occurred to me. He said, I know, you have your secretary call them, don't you? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. This is, he said, well, if you don't contact them, how in the world do they know to contact you? I mean, how do you get these engagements? And I said, well, I don't know. I've just never thought about it. Let me, let me think about it. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I just, I just had never thought, how do you go about doing it? So the meal went ahead and we talked. And at going out, I kind of mulled it over. And going out, I said to him, I think I have an answer to your question. Well, his mind, he just said, well, what question was that? I mean, he moved on. And I said, you asked how I go end up preaching as many times annually as I do. And I have an answer for you. He said, oh, yeah, okay, how, what? And I said, I have chosen to live my life in a way that adds value to other people, that builds them, that adds something that makes them better, that strengthens them and encourages them. And I believe that the world has such a deficit of that. My experience has been, if you do that for people, there is never any shortage of people who want you around. Because you don't take from them, you give to them. You add something. When they leave you, they don't feel like they've been gypped or robbed. They feel, oh man, this was so good. I'm so glad. I've chosen 
to order my life that way. And because of that, there seems to be no shortage of people who say, can you please come be with us? We want you. We need you. And he looked at me and he said, that's the most incredible thing I've ever heard. I've never thought of such a thing. And I thought to myself, duh. Because he had told me he'd preached twice in the previous year. Two times. I guess I didn't know quite what to think of that. I thought how awful it must be if you're genuinely called of God to minister the word and you never have opportunity to do it. That must be incredibly frustrating. I also thought, well, you know, if you're called to preach, you don't need a pulpit. What's wrong with Walmart? It works for me. What's wrong with the grocery store? I can't even tell you, not just me, but surely as well. How many times do we end up praying for people? Wherever it is, it, you don't need a pulpit. All you need is be willing to speak out of what God has put in you. Speak encouragement. Whether they're saved or lost, what do I care? I mean, I care that they're lost, but I don't care. Somebody doesn't have to be a member of our church for me to build in them and speak life into them and encourage them. There are people in our city, and we, many of you know we're invested in real estate and we do other things. We, we do preach, but we do other things. And it's unusual for me to sit even in a banker's office. We do, and, and I never have said to them, I'm a preacher. I said, you know, we're real estate investors, and we do this, and we've got that. And, and he said, well, what do you do? How did you end up doing this? And, well, we kind of get around. And they say, by the way, we've taken care of business. I want you to know my wife and I are having problems. W would you mind to pray for us? Attorneys. My child is in California in Bible school, and I'm not religious at all. You know me. Cussity, cuss, cuss, cuss. But my daughter, she's really serious about this stuff, and right now she needs some help. Would you pray for her? Sure. Saved or lost, it doesn't matter. People are hurting. People have needs. And God has called us to be intentional about our relationships on purpose. There's a man who's a nationally known, internationally known speaker. If I called his name, many of you here, if not many of you anyway, would know him. And we were having dinner together. And he was telling me a lot, some of the frustrations of his life. He was just so frustrated with where he was. And I said to him, well, what about your spiritual sons? And he looked at me and he said, excuse me? And I said, your spiritual offspring, your sons or daughters in the Lord, you've been in ministry for decades. He said, well, I, I don't know that I'm familiar with that term. And I said, are there not people that you've raised up and poured your life into and encouraged and that you have continuing ongoing relationship with? And he said, well, no, I guess not. He said, it's kind of happened by accident, I guess, a time or two, but it doesn't seem to last very long. And I looked at him and I said, well, I want to challenge you 
in the name of the Lord Jesus to become intentional about planting the Word of God in people's lives and pouring yourself into other people. Don't do it by accident. Do it on purpose. And he set his fork down and his knife down and he sat back and he said, I believe that is probably the word of God for me. I said, well, I believe it is. But if it is, my question to you is, what are you going to do about it? If, if it is God, it's nice to have heard a word from God, but that's worthless to you unless you're willing to do something about it and with it. So I want to charge you before God. I pointed my finger at his face across the table in a nice restaurant. I charge you before God that you stop being haphazard and accidental in your relationships and become intentional and purposeful. And he said, I'm not used to people talking to me that way. And I said, and that's part of your problem. You need people who talk to you that way. And you need to cultivate the art of speaking to people that way. I'm not mad at you. I'm not putting you down. But I believe I'm speaking to your heart what God would say to you. And I want to say this to you. I believe God wants us to be intentional in our relationships. I mean to make a difference in people's lives. I remember clearly one Sunday I preached. I have no idea what I preached. But anyway, somebody came out and said, boy, you sure just stomped all over my toes today. I said, well, I am so sorry. I ask you to forgive me. And they said, no, no, it was a good thing. I said, no, it wasn't. If I hit your feet, I totally missed the target. I was aiming for your heart. And so if all I did was mash your feet, I aimed way too low. And I am sorry. Hello. Maybe we do need our feet adjusted a time or two, but I really believe God wants us to aim for one another's hearts that we really mean to make a difference in people's hearts. When you leave after talking and communicating with somebody, they should be changed. Somebody said, we either bless or we blister the people with whom we come into contact. I want to bless I want to build. I want to strengthen. I don't want them to run from me. Intentional. Mm. Just who are you? You're a world changer. That's who you are. God did not send you here to be at the mercy of the people around you or of your circumstances. He sent you here to be an overcomer. Closing, my sister, I call, she's in ministry, precious woman of God, powerful preacher of the Word of God, and the best sister anybody could ever have. I called her one day, I said, how you doing? She said, well, okay, I guess, under the circumstances. 
And I said, well, I want to know just what in the world are you doing down there? She said, what? And I said, why are you under the circumstances? She said, well, you know what I mean. I said, I know what you said. And if you're where you ought to be in God, you're not under the circumstances. You're over the circumstances. So get out from down there where you've been and rise up and become the overcomer you were created to be. I'm not under the circumstances. I am over the circumstances. You say, but, 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 there is no buts. You are who you say you are and what he says you are, if you will agree with him. Or you can choose to agree with the old slew foot. And he says, you know you're under the problem. You're under attack. You're under, oh, how can I be under? Dwight L. Moody, when he lay on his deathbed, he'd been kind of coming and going, and they looked at him and they said, well, he's sinking, he's sinking fast. And he rallied and he raised his head. He said, sinking, I'm on the rock, I cannot sink. And went home to be with the Lord. It's the last words he said, sinking, I cannot sink, I'm on the rock. Hallelujah for a man who determined who he was. He's also the guy who was preaching a meeting in Chicago. And this older lady had been there every night. And he said to her, ma'am, I hope to see you in heaven. She said, well, it's up to you. I'm going. <laughs> I like that girl. <laughs> I don't know her name, but I like her spunk. Preacher, it's up to you. I'm going to be there. You make your own decision. Just who are you? I know who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are overcomers. Father, in Jesus' name, stand to your feet. Would you do it? Just stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak blessing to every man, every woman, every young person in this room, in Jesus' name. Lord, speak clearly enough to us that we hear who you call us and what you call us, and let us say, yes, Lord. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of what those around me say, I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's the correct response. In every circumstance, yes, Lord. What he says you can do, you can do. Who he says you are, you are. Hallelujah. And your response to that is? Your response to that is? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. You've been listening to Destiny City Church a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.